Hello. I have an invitation to tea with the Queen. Yes, Emma's been expecting you. Please come in. I think that we just massively underestimate, especially as women, our own capability and awesomeness. And it, it's changed. It's changed my life completely. Yeah. Sometimes I think you go through this journey as a business owner and think you're a bit crazy. You're like, who am I to have this dream? Well, I just think women are hard on themselves. I wish I had been more confident in what I was capable of. But I feel like you do what feels right for you, then that's going to be always on brand. Women, our natural inclination is to be pleasers and to put other people before self. I've never had a tea with the Queen before and this is such a pleasure. <laughs> Hello, I'm Emma McQueen and welcome to Tea with the Queen. The world needs more people like my guest today. Di Geddes is a saint. She's been a registered nurse for more than 35 years. She's the founder and director of Exceptional Care for You, an in-home disability and aged care service. She provides exceptional care to her clients from the comfort of their own homes. You'll soon discover how compassionate Di is from listening to this interview and that she only hires other carers who have the same ingrained compassion. Word is spreading like wildfire. Her business has boomed since she opened the doors in December 2021. I love Di. She's got a wicked sense of humour. She says it how it is. She's a driver of change and a beacon of hope. Hello, Di. Welcome to Tea with the Queen. Thank you very much, Emma. It's lovely to be here. I've got the periwinkle china out already to have a cup of tea with the Queen. (laughs) (laughs) Periwinkle china. I love that. I love that. I love good china. Good china is very important. It makes the tea taste better. Absolutely. I want to jump straight in. You've been a registered nurse for a long time, more than 35 years. Yeah. Wowzers. Obviously, obviously you have a passion for nursing. Yeah, I do. And this time of year is always tricky because we get our nursing registration again and it asks two questions. One is how long have you been a nurse? And then how many years do you expect to be a nurse? And when you were young, that was a good question to answer. But now when you've been a nurse for 35 years and the number you give to the next question is less, you feel very old. So yeah, I have been a nurse for a long time and I love it. I love everything I've done in nursing. I've been really fortunate to do lots of different things. Love it all. And just, it's interesting because nurses usually come from a long line of nurses. There's a real medical line in their family, but I was the first medical person of any kind in my family, but I've handed the mantle on to my son who is now a registered nurse as well. So hopefully I've been the seed that started the medical tree in our family. Oh, how lovely. The seed that keeps growing. But it's a vocation. It is a vocation. For me, it took me a long time. People would say, why did you want to do it? And I never knew why. I just just knew I wanted to do it and then I knew I loved it and when I was reading something one day about someone else's vocation I thought oh my god that's my vocation you don't have to know why you just know you want to and you love it yeah that's perfect almost everyone has a loved one who needs care at some stage of their lives grandparents in particular but disability or disease aren't big talking points in the media or between ourselves why is that 
I think we find it really uncomfortable. I think from the moment you conceive a child, you have this idea of who they will be and what they will be and what their life will pan out like and what your role in their life will be. And I know now I can't wait to be a grandmother. I'm at that age where, you know, I should be a grandmother in the next 10 years if things go right. So you have all those plans and you don't ever think, oh, I'm pregnant, I'm going to have a disabled child or I'm going to have a child that won't live long or I won't live long enough to see that child become an adult because none of those are happy thoughts so we don't we don't let those thoughts into our brains and we all know we're going to get old so aging is something we see and we're close to and we experience our parents aging and their ultimate death grandparents before that but that seems to be okay because as sad as it is it's okay because they've lived a life and they've lived a full life usually but when we start talking about life limiting diseases or disabilities it really threatens our understanding of why we're here and what we hope to achieve in our life. So I think nobody feels comfortable. Very few people feel comfortable, more now than ever before, but very few people like being exposed to disability or life-changing diseases. So we tend to hide it a little bit. Yeah, and what a lonely path for those people who are disabled or are dealing with disabilities in their families, right? I mean, our our 2022 Australian of the Year Dylan Alcott has a disability. Did his appointment help highlight our attitude towards those with disability? I think um, people are possibly more aware that disabled people can succeed, which I think a lot of people have the attitude that if you've got a disability, then you can't do anything. And that's just simply not correct. Um, So I think it's helped in that regard. But I think it's really also important to remember he's a great tennis player. And he has trained and trained and trained to be a great tennis player, then got a a profile and then become Australian of the Year. And he happens to be disabled. And I'm not saying his pathway has been easy by any stretch. It would have been incredibly difficult. But if, for example, I was in a wheelchair, I couldn't play tennis to save myself. I'd be lucky to be able to play, you know, bingo, I reckon. I've got no sporting ability (laughs) at all. So I'm not, you know, there's a lot of people out there with disabilities and with life-changing diseases that just live a normal life. And so him being Australian of the Year will help in some ways, but we need to remember that there's other people struggling with disabilities who haven't had perhaps the sporting opportunities and the, the public appearance factor that he has had yeah the same persona yeah that makes sense yeah what what are some of the biggest challenges facing people with disability you know if you had have asked me that question 12 months ago even I would have answered it very differently right I think back then I probably would have said oh you know getting around getting a wheelchair and getting around and but now I see it very differently I We pretend as a society that we welcome people with disability and that we offer them every opportunity. It's all words. There's so many places where it's still not put in action. I run bus tours with my company for people with disabilities and I'll ring up a a hotel and say, do you have disabled access? Yeah, 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 except for the step out the front. Well, then you don't have disabled access. Do you have disabled toilets? Yes, yes, yes. So a wheelchair can fit in? No, no, we don't have one that a wheelchair can fit in. So you don't have a disabled toilet. You have a normal toilet with a sticker on the front. So, you know, and if someone rings up and just takes a yes at face value, they get there for their family function and can't go in. So, you know, that's terrible for them. I think wow. that, yeah, and I understand. I took one of my clients to a um, radiology appointment this year 
that was a life-changing moment for me. The way she was treated was horrendous, so much so I came back and wrote a two-page letter of complaint. It was just disgraceful. She was sitting there and was told to strip down to her waist with no, you know, screen around her, no nothing, no dignity, no privacy. And when she indicated she felt a little bit exposed, the radiographer actually picked up a pillowcase and threw it at her and said, pop that around you if you want to. And this is an intelligent woman who is usually quite in charge of what she does. Her disease means she's now in a wheelchair and she's treated like she doesn't exist, that she's just not got any value. And that's just one piece of what happened on that day. Their disabled entrance into this beautiful, glorious mansion that had been converted into a cardiac radiology place, their entrance for the disabled was next to all the rubbish bins. So you had to weave yourself around the rubbish bins to get in. That automatically says you're a piece of rubbish as far as I'm concerned when you're trying to go in because everyone else gets to go up the grand staircase and do the big entry. So, And there were um, staff members laughing at her while she was trying to negotiate the doorway to get in. Oh, my goodness. The ramp wasn't... um, I'm I'm appalled. Yeah, it was disgraceful. And the ramp wasn't always there, so they had to make a big fuss and come and put the ramp out, which is like saying, da-da-da, the disabled person's arrived, you know, and it was... Just terrible, absolutely awful. So I think more than anything I now think people with disabilities need to be heard and they need to be seen in every single facet of their life and they shouldn't be spoken over. The discussions should be had with them, not with their best friend or their next of kin or whoever's with them at the time. Going to a coffee shop, they should be asked what they want. You know, it shouldn't be me ordering for them. So they just need to be seen and heard and they also need good care and I'm incredibly passionate about good care and good care doesn't come from knowing how to wipe a bum. It comes from wiping the bum well while you're having a conversation with them and while you're finding out about their life and doing holistic care, not just task-driven care because I always say you can train a monkey to wipe a bum, you can't teach a monkey compassion and that's the the difference. So training, it's about the type of training that you give. But that's what they need, good care to be heard and to be seen. I love that. It's a great foray into telling us about your business, Exceptional Care For You. Why did you start it and what do you do? So I was a long time coming to this business and almost didn't arrive but then put the big girl pants (laughs) on and made the decision to do it. So I'd seen lots in my 35 years of nursing and I'd gone into aged care about three years before I started my business because I wanted to change aged care. The way aged care is done in this country has so many problems with it. But I found I couldn't change it from within because the structure is stuff that you have to spend so much time doing paperwork, you can't actually have time to care for the residents. And that's a whole different soapbox and issue. So then I got into community disability care and loved it, absolutely loved it, because I could um, I could control a lot of what was happening and how the care was delivered. And there's a lot more freedom in regards to designing the care. Um, Still meeting the same standards but designing the care. So I worked for a company for about a year and it became um, apparent to me that they were driven by money, not by compassion. They sold the compassion story but that wasn't true on the ground. And five years prior to that I'd had breast cancer, I'd lost my two parents and I'd 
become divorced and a fairly awful divorce. So I got a little bit of money from my parents, only a very little bit, and I thought, you know, now I've got an opportunity to actually do something and to do something good for others as well as myself. So I decided to set up the business because I wanted to be able to show that you can deliver exceptional care without being focused on money. You can treat staff well and still make money. So I wanted to be able to prove that. I wasn't sure how I was going to do it, but I thought I'll give it a go. So I started my business in 2021 in December and started with one client and just myself delivering care about 15 hours a fortnight. We now have 44 clients and we deliver, this month we'll deliver very close to a 1,000 hours of care in the month. So, And I'm incredibly proud of what we do because every piece of care we deliver is exceptional. We deliver care in the community to people with disabilities mostly, so through the NDIS funding, but also do some private clients and some aged clients as well. We're more than happy to do aged clients, but the funding is very different. So it doesn't allow for the same amount of care that NDIS does. So, yeah, and we have a huge range of clients. So through from just providing companionship or transport to appointments right through to very complex 24-hour-a-day clients. So lots of different disease processes and disabilities that we see. Yeah, and I've been working with you for a little while and it's an absolute privilege to watch you do what you do because the words exceptional care, I have never seen anyone so invested in their clients and making sure that their clients don't just get their bum wiped but actually that they do it with compassion and empathy and I know how hard you've worked to get there and I think it's a indication, an awesome indication of your success to go from one to 44 clients like It's incredible what you've done, what you've been able to do. Yeah, thank you, Emma. And we've done it without advertising or marketing. So it's just word of mouth that we've done it through, which is amazing and astounding to me. But, you know, there are days when, well, I don't often think about who I am now or what I am now, but I know I am who I should have been before all that other stuff happened in my life. So I've, you know, had a bit of a sabbatical to come back to where I should have got to early in my 20s, I suspect. But because the money doesn't drive me. Yes, I need money to pay my bills. And yes, we make money. I don't ever deny that. But it's not about the money. It's about the the care. And we do so much um, for our clients that we never bill. And so much for our staff as well. We reward them really well because they're what makes us successful. Successful. I can train them and I can train them in our way and I can enforce our way, which I do, to ensure we are giving exceptional care all the time. But at the end of the day, it's them who turn up every day unwitnessed to do the great care that they do. And the feedback we get, you know, probably once a week, I'm brought to tears by the beautiful feedback we get, which is just brilliant. And But I'd have to say this is the way I care. I have no choice over it. I don't think, will I be a nice carer today or a bad carer? I'm just tuned to provide this care. So it's not hard for me to do, but it's so rewarding for me to do. Absolutely. I mean, I think if I had anyone who was disabled in my circle or my family, it would you would be the choice I would go to. Like that's just you are who you are. And I think, yes, you can teach people to do some of the work, the basics, the hygiene, what I would call the hygiene stuff, but the other stuff just oozes out of you. And I think it goes back to your values. You've got some values posted on your website. I'm curious about how you got them or what led you to them. So they're compassion, commitment, 
excellence, tolerance and teamwork. So five values. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, so lots of workshopping in my own head and lots of thinking about what we wanted. But for me, the most important thing about the success of this business is the relationships we build, the relationships with our clients, their families, their loved ones, their significant others and their neighbours sometimes who are organising stuff, whoever it is that's involved in their circle and our staff. They're the important relationships. I'm a great believer that if you get relationships right, then forgiveness follows because not everything goes right all the time. But if you have a good, honest relationship and honesty is incredibly important in everything we do, then people accept that you've made a mistake and they will go on or they praise you when you've done well. So that was really important to me that we get that bit right. And so these values, I think, are important for any relationship, really, when I was looking at them, thinking about them. Commitment, nothing is successful unless you're committed to it. So I have to be committed to having the standard of care that our business delivers and resourcing it so we do have that standard of care. Our staff have to be committed to the standard of care every single interaction they have because what I say is we deliver exceptional care in every interaction and that is true whether it be invoicing or scheduling or delivering the care or, you know, transporting someone, whatever we're doing, there has to be that exceptional care has to come through and that only comes through if you're totally committed Excellence, I think, falls in nicely with that. So we always aim to be the best. We'll get it wrong. Absolutely, we'll get it wrong. But we'll apologise, we'll own it, and we'll move on. And that's part of excellence to, to do that too. Tolerance is a really important one to me because there are lots of people in our community, not only people with disabilities, who have to fight a battle to be seen and to be heard every day. And I did my graduate year as a nurse back almost with Florence Nightingale in um, St Vincent's <laughs> Public Hospital. And part of St V's ethos was that everyone gets equal care. And I remember the alcoholics, back then alcoholism was a problem, not drug addiction so much in Fitzroy. And the alcoholics would come into the ward I worked on and they'd be kept there for two weeks just so they had a bed. Or when they were discharged, they could sleep in the foyer if they needed a bed. So it was absolute commitment to equal care for everyone. And I've carried that through every piece of nursing that I've done over the years. And um, I think our community has changed vastly in that time. And one of the things that I really want to make sure happens, because I have a son who is gay, and so I want him to be able to get care whenever he needs it, wherever he needs it, equally as easily and have just as care that is just as good that doesn't judge him for any reason because it would break my heart to think he was judged at a time of need. So it's really important for us to be tolerant and just accept everyone and give everyone the same level of care. Teamwork is incredibly important to us, which is really there's so much teamwork goes on every day here with rostering, with changing of shifts, with invoicing people, making sure we're all on the same page for how much we'll charge people because depending on people's circumstances, we will do different things because we won't deny anyone care. And, you know, the teamwork the guys do out in the field is amazing that they, you know, hand over to each other beautifully. They write notes beautifully so we know exactly what's going on because with 44 clients, we can't know everything all the time unless they tell us stuff. So that that's really important too. And the teamwork with the client to make sure that we're working for them, not that we're doing what we want to do. So 
We go in there and they're our directors on the day. And the last one is compassion, which is the absolute rock that the business is built on. I employ for compassion. I don't employ for a bit of paper. I interviewed someone last week and I went out front doors of glass and I went to the front door to meet him and his smile was bigger than Texas and he had me right then. He was being employed. He could have come in and said he was a mass murderer and I would have said, yeah, but you've got a gorgeous <laughs> smile. So, you know, I... Not really, not really, everyone. There are some standards. Yeah. <laughs> so you know it's about and the stories people tell me in interviews is what gets them employed someone comes in here and says yeah I need a job on a Saturday because it pays well I say yeah good on you go next door because I'm not employing you for that reason so they have to be compassionate and you can tell that I interview everyone in person um, so I can see what they're like I'm sending them out to represent my business, but more importantly, I'm sending them into someone's home. So they have to be genuinely compassionate, lovely person, and it has to ooze out of them. Yeah, yeah. I love that you've got that sorted, and I love that you know and that you do it, and it's important because it's your brand, right? I mean, those values, all businesses should have those values, but I love how you bring them to life. Yeah. And so when, when you talk about the values, I think sometimes you meet, you go into organizations, they go, these are our values and they're on the wall. And you think, well, how are they outworked every day? Like if they're not outworked every day, then are they actually, anyway, what is it that we can all do to help support those with disabilities and other vulnerabilities in our own businesses and community? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think show respect is really important. I was listening to Bill Shorten was live on Facebook the other night after the budget talking about the funding for NDIS in the budget and that then led to a whole discussion about NDIS. And he reinforced for me the importance of giving meaning in the lives of people with disability. So we're now funding them better than we ever have before, but COVID really locked them away again. And I think it's really important that we get them out again and get them doing meaningful jobs and get them employed, you know, getting some meaning into their life again because COVID has been very destroying for their social confidence for the, and they're, they're a lot, like a lot of us who have just forgotten how to go out again, you know, are happy to sit home and watch TV because that's all we did for a year. So and not that there's anything wrong with watching a good Netflix show, I'd have to say, but, you know, we probably should have a social life. So, yeah, giving them that confidence and for people who are able to, to consider employing someone with a disability, consider volunteering for people with disabilities. You know, there's so much you can do and everyone will say they don't have time. You're choosing not to have time. We can all have time. It only has to be an hour a week to go and sit and talk to someone if they're isolated or whatever. So, yeah, I think giving them meaningful things in their life is really, really important. Yeah, absolutely. You're pretty new to business since December 2021. I'm curious, what's been your biggest lessons in running a business? Yeah, that's um, there's been so many lessons, but also such fast growth that often they're lessons on the run. So it's hard for me to think, okay, which are the biggest? But I think the one I come across without a doubt every day is that no one cares about my business as much as I do and they never will. So at the moment I don't have a succession plan because there is no one who is going to run the business the same way as I do at the moment. And, you know, there's been a couple of things that have happened this week that's made that even more cemented in my mind. So 
I therefore have to keep looking for someone or come to terms with the fact that, okay, someone else can take over, but it won't be exactly the same. So, and, you know, I've had a couple of clients say, well, no, it won't be the same if you decide to move on because it's the Diane factor that makes the business what the business is, but and you can't reproduce that. But I would hope that in time we can get people to grow to be almost as you know excited about the business as I am. But I think that's my biggest lesson. My other lesson is that it's tough running a business and there are tough decisions to be made and there are tough conversations to have. I've had a couple of tough conversations this week and it was really interesting in the office when it was time for tough conversations, everyone was saying, oh, no, no, just let it go and we'll see what happens. And I said, no, we fix it today. So we fixed it the best we could and we move on and we keep an eye on what happened and the people involved and see what happens next before we make a final decision. But yeah, that need to have the tough conversations is really important, I think, as well as the good conversations. Yeah. What I do notice, though, especially with women in business, I mean, people in corporates come to me and the number one thing they come to me for is I need help with having a difficult conversation. Emma, show me a script. Tell me how to have this conversation. This is what I was going to have. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what you're going to have. Here's what you're going to have. I've noticed that women in business especially kind of go, oh, we'll just wait and see. We'll just And we put up with mediocre for way too long rather than just going, hey, you need to tweak this or you need to tweak that or let's try something different because this thing isn't working. Mm-hmm. And it's much more kind to do that and nip it in the butt before it gets any worse. You know what I mean? So good on you for having those conversations because they're always hard to have and you don't want to upset people but sometimes they just get upset and you just have to hand over the tissues and get on with it. But you know what? you're ultimately doing them a good deed because what's not acceptable in your organisation won't be acceptable anywhere else usually or it may take another five years before they get to another job where it's not acceptable again. So if you don't tell them, you're condoning the behaviour and you're condoning whatever it is that they've done wrong and there's no big things that have gone wrong in my business. They've all been quite small but they're still difficult conversations and but I think that comes back to relationships too I had a really difficult conversation three weeks ago where I had to tell an employee we could no longer employ him and I really liked this guy and he delivered great care but there was another issue that meant we couldn't keep him on and all the HR advice was you can't have that conversation with him but to protect my clients and my brand I had to have that conversation with him so he came in and it was a beautiful conversation you know because we'd already had that relationship we trusted each other and I could explain exactly why I needed to do it and he was understanding of that so it's not always going to be good like that I know that you know it won't always go well but I think when you've got a relationship it really helps a lot. Yeah, and to your point, I heard this saying, silence is compliance, right? So if you say nothing, you're you're letting it happen, which is you're condoning. Tell us what's what's next for exceptional care? Yeah, so we're looking at we have nurses as well as carers, and our nurses are um an underutilised resource. So we're looking at growing what they're going to be doing in the community and getting involved in possibly some hospital in the home stuff. And we also have a bus which 
I had this mad idea that we would buy a bus and convert it to have a wheelchair accessible seat in the back, which we've done. And we've taken a client on a holiday three times now, which in his words took him from feeling suicidal to loving life. Like, there's no better Aww, review than that. Amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. And we've taken, um, I'm going out on Monday with another one of our clients to a luncheon and that's the second time I've done that with her. We do day trips for our clients. But I really want to build that, the use of that bus up more. So I've spent the last few days actually putting together a whole plan for the year and looking at how we can get other people to get in contact and, and use that bus. Because the first time we took our ladies group out on it, one of the person in the wheelchair, I never realised that when you're in a wheelchair and you're in a maxi cab, you can't see out the windows. They're, you can't, you're not at the right height. So you're in the extended roof bit, so you can't see out the windows. And I'd never, ever thought about that. So when we took our first ladies group out, the person in the lady in the wheelchair at the back was saying, oh, my God, I can see out the windows. Oh, my God, did you see the birds? Can you? Did you see the birds? Did you see oh. those trees? Look at the countryside. I haven't seen the countryside for three years. You know, stuff like that, which is we take for granted every day. And then when we got out the bus, she said, have you recorded that bird music or is that real birds? And I said, no, that's real birds. And she said, I can smell the grass. I can, you know, it was just like a whole sensory, you know, day for her. It was wonderful. So I want to be able to give that to more people. I want to be able to get our bus out there more, making more people smile. And, you know, we have carpenters sing-alongs on the bus and I do sensational solos occasionally, (laughs) which tends to clear up the bus pretty quickly. But no, (laughs) We have lots and lots of fun and it's just a lovely day out. And possibly the most important thing we've done is we've created new friendships for these people. So we have a couple of young guys who have autism spectrum disorder. We've brought them together to have an independent friendship outside of our care. So they catch up independently now, which is just brilliant because previously to that they weren't. So it really makes a change. Oh, man, the impact you're having and the fact you're doing it with so much compassion and empathy is just so inspiring. Thank you for joining us on Tea with the Queen. I hope that those that are listening will put all your details in the show notes so if anyone has uh, friends or family or people that need your help that they can access that. Thank you, Di. Thank you. And we're always happy to answer questions, even if you don't need our care but you've got questions about a loved one who needs care or you're concerned about, we're always happy to answer those too. Perfect. Thank you, Di. Thanks so much, Emma. Thanks for listening to Tea with the Queen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help to get the word out. For more about me, please visit emmamcqueen.com.au and I look forward to your company next episode. Goodbye. Thank you for coming.